Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. So often in our Christmas preparations, whether that involves any number of the following things, preparing and sending out Christmas greeting cards, purchasing gifts, planning for and then attending or hosting parties, baking cookies, putting up a a tree and and all kinds of decorations. In the midst of, of all of those traditions and activities, we can easily forget what Christmas is all about. Certainly, we do give some thought to the birth of Jesus, our Savior. But sometimes also in in all of the hype around Christmas and and the surrounding season, we sometimes also skip over the focus of the season of Advent in which we currently are located uh, before Christmas celebration itself actually begins. We can lose sight of the fact that Advent is not just a preparatory season for Christmas, but primarily, more significantly, Advent is meant to prepare us for the second coming of Jesus. And so our Advent worship services, as we are doing here today, are important to help us refocus in the midst of of all of the, the busyness of this Christmas season, to refocus our hearts and our minds on what is truly important Not all of the outward customs and traditions of this season, although those are fine and good, but most importantly, on the preparation of our hearts for Jesus' return. Maybe you've heard uh, this quotation from one of America's founding fathers, Benjamin Franklin, uh, perhaps his, his most famous quotation, that in this world nothing can be said to be certain except death and taxes. But... Uh, Although that may seem to be quite true, God's Word assures us that this is, in fact, not true. Now, indeed, taxes may well be certain in life, at least for the vast majority of people, but death is not absolutely certain for everyone. The second coming of Jesus is more certain than even death itself. So, God's word reveals to us that Jesus' second coming will find a generation of believers in Jesus who will never experience death. The Apostle Paul states unequivocally in the great resurrection chapter of the Bible in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, he says, Look, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, meaning we will not all die physically, but we will all be changed. In a moment, in the blink of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. And Paul underscores that same truth in his letter to the Thessalonians in chapter 4, when he says, For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet call of God, And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up in the clouds together with them to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. In fact, some have commented that Paul's first letter to the Thessalonians, from which our sermon text comes for today, 
could be characterized as the epistle about the second coming of Jesus. In every chapter, not a long book, five chapters in this book, at the end of every chapter, the Apostle Paul mentions the second coming of Jesus. In chapter 1, verse 10, Paul has heard that the people in Thessalonica were uh, patiently waiting for God's Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, the one who is going to rescue us from the coming wrath. And in chapter 2, verse 19, Paul asks, Who is our hope or joy or crown about which we boast before our Lord Jesus when he returns? Is it not you? And in chapter 3, verse 13, Paul prays that God may establish your hearts as blameless in holiness before our God and Father when our Lord Jesus comes with all his saints. And as we just mentioned, we just read from the end of chapter 4 about Jesus coming down from heaven, about the dead in Christ, those who believed in Jesus as their Savior, who have already died, will be raised back to life first, and then those believers who are still living when Jesus returns will be caught up into the clouds to meet with them together, to meet with the Lord in the air. And finally, in our sermon text for today from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, we see an echo of that same refrain in verse 23 when the Apostle Paul uh, expresses this prayer, this blessing for us. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, although many centuries have passed since these promises, this prayer of the Apostle Paul was first written down, that length of time in between then and now does not diminish the certainty that this promise of God will be fulfilled. And let's illustrate that point. All of us recall a familiar text for the Advent season from the prophet Isaiah, from Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, that says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government, or the authority to rule, will be on his shoulder. And now, as we think about that verse, we think about the government will be on his shoulder. And we look at the world around us today, and well, it doesn't seem very much to us like all of the governments of the world are under Jesus' control. We might wonder, well, if they were, why do they so often still do so many sinful things or things that go against God's will as expressed in his word? But we know that, yes, indeed, just as God has said, everything is under Jesus' control. And he promises to work in all things, even in, in, in events of, of great suffering and sadness, to bring about a blessed result for those who trust in him, including you and me. And so, just as certainly as that first part of Isaiah's promise in this passage has been fulfilled, that a child has indeed been born to us, the Savior, Christ the Lord, so also ultimately, fully, that second part of the passage will also be fulfilled on the last day, when Jesus returns and reveals his eternal power and glory as God, his infinite majesty, and then he will take full control of all powers and authorities in this world. Be assured, Christ is indeed coming again. And our gracious Lord prepares his people for his appearing. 
Paul writes with confidence, May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. Notice the refrain that Paul initiates here. Sanctify you through and through. Your whole spirit, soul, and body will be kept blameless. What a staggering statement that is. Blameless through and through. Body, soul, and spirit kept blameless. Think about that. What an amazing thought. Blameless on the day of Jesus appearing. How can it be that, how can that be possible that we who sin daily, at the very least in the the thoughts and desires of our hearts, not matching up with the perfection and purity that God requires, and certainly also at times our sinful words and sinful actions as well, how can it be that that we who know the depths of our heart's duplicity and, and depravity, will stand before the piercing gaze of a righteous and all-knowing God on the last day as blameless and holy. In one of his most famous sermons, Martin Luther spoke to this very paradox. In his words, even though about 500 years uh, ago at this point in time, are still so pertinent for us today. They seem to uncover the the very thoughts and perplexities that we experience in our faith lives. So this quotation comes from one of Martin Luther's Easter sermons based on Luke chapter 24. He says, A Christian is at once a sinner and a saint. He is wicked and pious at the same time. For so far as our persons are concerned, we are in sins and are sinners in our own name. But Christ brings us another name in which there is forgiveness of sins that for his sake, sins are remitted and pardoned. So both statements are true. There are sins, for the old Adam is not entirely dead as yet, yet the sins are not there. The reason is this. For Christ's sake, God does not want to see them. I have my eyes on them. I feel and see them well enough, but there is Christ, commanding that I be told I should repent, that is, confess myself a sinner and believe the forgiveness of sins in his name. For repentance, remorse, and knowledge of sin, though necessary, is not enough. Faith in the forgiveness of sins in the name of Christ must be added. But where there is such faith, God no longer sees my sins. For then you stand before God, not in your name, but in Christ's name. He adorns you with grace and righteousness, although in your own eyes and personally you are a poor sinner full of wickedness and unbelief. Can the human mind even begin to comprehend such an awesome message? The very Christ who will one day judge the world in righteousness entered into our human experience centuries ago. He lived the blameless life that we were incapable of living. And then he died the death that we deserve to die because of our failures. And now he bestows his own blamelessness on those who simply believe that he did this for them. Astonishing? Yes, indeed. Awesome? Yes, indeed. 
absolutely true. This is most certainly true. As Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, God made him who had no sin, Jesus, to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Blameless, holy in his sight. And in Romans chapter 5, God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And so who knows? Maybe this could be the year of his return. Maybe today could be the day of his return. But whenever it is, we are ready, blameless, through his work of salvation for us. There's a story that's been told about uh, a traveler in Switzerland who discovered uh, a secluded estate on the, on the shores of a tranquil lake and he knocked at the, at the gate of, of that estate and was met by an aged caretaker who, who was excited to welcome him into the grounds and, and to show him around the place. And he seemed very glad to, to welcome a visitor as if he hadn't seen many people in, in, in recent times. And so the, the traveler asked him, well, how long have you served here? Very long time, he said. And does your, the owner of this place uh, come here often? Caretaker replied, no, he's only been here a, a handful of times in, in all the many years that I've been working here. Well, when was he last here? About ten years ago. I'm almost always alone, and I very seldom get any visitors at all. The traveler remarked, well, you have everything in such clean and good order. It's, it's almost as if you're expecting him to come back again this week. And the caretaker replied, no, I'm expecting him to come back today. I have everything ready for him to return today. And that traveler was well impressed by the faithfulness and preparedness of that caretaker. And so we, Christians, might also reflect on that story and think about how we also should be prepared all the time for the return of Jesus to happen today, at any moment. Yes, perhaps today Jesus will appear. Perhaps today the Lord of life and love will come down to, to ring down the world's final curtain. We live each day trusting in his mercy and love. That mercy and love that God, our, our loving Heavenly Father, has so generously poured out upon us through his Son, Jesus our Savior. As his baptized people, we rise each day to, to testify to others about his love and forgiveness by every word and, and thought and action that we do each day of our lives. And a part of our witness, a part of our testimony to others is our eager anticipation of his return to take us to be with him in heaven. Perhaps Christ's coming will be today. Perhaps Perhaps it will be uh, just within the next hour. But whenever it is, we know that we are ready. We have God's promise that he will keep us blameless through Jesus our Savior. Amen.